Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you today for an interview, because we love doing interviews, and it's a big interview today. You heard us tease this on our recent 1,000th episode. What an episode that was. Oh, boy, oh, boy, that was a massive, massive episode. Loved every minute of it. Um, I do, of course, speak of Aaron Schwartz, best known perhaps from his role as Dave Carp on The Mighty Ducks. Uh, the first Mighty Ducks movie, also been in Heavyweights, Gossip Girl, you name it, he's been in it. Well, he hasn't been in Laura or SVU, but he's the only one. Uh, but uh, super excited to bring you the chat. I'll say, my name is Ben and I don't have an opening line. My name is Colin, and uh, Aaron Schwartz stole my opening line. Yeah, he did. Um, but we're not really talking much here. We're just introducing the interview. This is a fun chat, Colin. This is mm-hmm. your first ever taste of uh, interviewing a, a Mighty Ducks actor. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think we're both so excited just about the the TV series coming out, and I don't think we really expected, you know, to get much news about uh, future stuff. But I mean, there's even a tease in there about potentially. Uh, a carp appearance maybe coming up at some point in the future. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And he might not have been allowed to say that, but, um, you know, stiff shit, Aaron, you said it too bad. You didn't ask us to edit it out, so it's kept in the interview. Uh, without further ado, let's hear our chat with uh, Aaron Schwartz, a.k.a. Carp from The Mighty Ducks. We are thrilled to welcome our next guest here to the Oz Network. You might know him from such roles as heavyweight, Gossip Girl, because I know we have a large Gossip Girl following on this show. But we're here to talk to him mainly about one role in a little film called The Mighty Ducks, or Champions, if you're maybe listening to in Australia and you want to refer to it as that name. He played the role of Dave Carp on the original Mighty Ducks film, and I feel like I want to introduce him as the Carp star. Use his head to stop the park, Mr. Capalande. Mr. Aaron Schwartz. Aaron, welcome to the show. what's going on? I still wouldn't go there anyway. Right. Yeah. No, I was going to say, how many fingers am I holding up? Oh, that's uh, that one? Yeah. It's always a test here on the show. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I wanted to kind of tie that into maybe like a, it's Aaron Schwartz, Mr. Aaron Lunday, but I, it didn't sound as good a- as a carp thing. Ah, Averman, huh? Man, yeah. I love what a That's man. One of my, what one a of man. My favorite people. That's good. Actually. Good to know. Good to know. Well, we're going to become your favorite people today with the questions we're going to ask you because, as I just said to you off air, I'm sure a lot of these you've been asked about it a thousand and one times. But I mean, is there one question right now that you can maybe give us a tease that you've never been asked before about your time in the Mighty Ducks? Like, is there something you've been dying to tell that no one's ever asked you in like 30 I'm years? Asked, I don't have the imagination to come up with anything right now. To- <laughs> <laughs> I, I would come up some, with some obscure, weird, probably like se- bad, horribly censored or uncensored version of something. So no, 
I can't think of anything. I've been asked a lot of questions, some very strange questions. So, I mean, I have a feeling it's been uh, all tough. Let's see. Let's see if there's uh, there's one from no you pressure. guys. Well, no pressure. Well, what's, my question is, what's the opposite? What's the question you're just so sick of answering that let's just get out of the way now so we can just are scratch guys, it off our list? Are you guys still friends with uh, the cast and crew? That's a big, that's a big <laughs> I go to. It's yeah. kind of like somebody was like, I can't think of a question. I'm just going to, sorry if anybody like has that as number one. <laughs> well, there goes 58 of our you know, questions. Let me Shit. just phone this sucker in and be like, you still friends with, I mean, you know, I'm, but it's a good question at the same time because there are, uh, you know, in this business, you just assume everybody that has worked with everybody is like calling each other up or texting each other. And ultimately, for the most part, in most productions of anything when you're done you're done and maybe you like maybe you had a connection with somebody maybe you didn't and that's the way it works most of the time it's a job and you're out of the office it's like a new office and you know you know you don't call bob from the office two years after working with him so well that's like colin and i we we actually hate each other um but i mean it's kind of contractual reasons we have to do this so yeah contractual obligation yeah yeah i like that yeah, I've had, just, I've had those relationships before for sure. Yeah, <laughs> well, the, you know, they can work and they can't. It depends on, uh, I guess, the, the situation. But, I mean, it's it's interesting because next year, 30 years since uh, Mighty Ducks came out, uh, which am I just making you feel really old now? Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you guys later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's incredible, 30 years. It's wild. Yeah. It feels like another lifetime and it also feels like yesterday. Yeah. It's, but it's crazy. I mean, it's it's the cliche thing that people say at this point. You know, it's a film that stood the test of time. But I, I want to share with you a brief story about coming from an Australian's perspective because I don't know if you've had many of your Australian friends talk about what the Mighty Ducks means to them. But I mean, I basically love hockey because of the Mighty Ducks. We had no exposure to the sport really until a film like this came out. And I remember seeing it. I I won't tell you how old I was. I was a lot younger than you. But I fell in love with it and from that moment on I was hooked to this sport and and another true story Australia's only NHL player Nathan Walker basically also was the same he fell in love seeing the Mighty Ducks and he's gone on to play the NHL so it's weird that a movie like this about about a bunch of ragtag kids going out and playing a, a sport like hockey has you know influenced so much on the other side of the world in a country like Australia where we're not even seeing this sport it's wild I I will get fan mail from Places I, I didn't even know watched it in the 90s. And I and, and some kids now who are younger, I mean, they're coming out with a new show, um, the Mighty Ducks Game Changers thing is called, on Disney+. Plus, and they're coming out with this show, and there's it's going to bring in a whole new generation. And then these kids, you know, the connections that we have to everything online, we, we can search anything. And the parents also will, will like, you know, show little kids will send, you know, direct messages to me being like, oh my God, it's carp. And it's shocking how much of an impact it's had. And I don't even think the creators really knew or the creator really knew. I don't think Steve knew how big this was going to get. So yeah, I'm grateful. I know it's a, a word that's thrown around a lot, but I'm honestly grateful that I was a part of it. 
I don't know, maybe if it is just a Disney thing, that Disney just has this talent for keeping stuff out there. But, you know, I know for me growing up, the big sports movie for kids generation prior was the Bad News Bears. And you try mm. to show the Bad News Bears to kids my age, they're like, this is old. Like, look at the, look at the, the mullets and everything. I don't want to watch this. But I mean, I've got nephews who are, you know, still you know, 10, 11 years old. And years ago, they watched the Mighty Ducks. And again, they become completely obsessed with it. Like, it seems like it's a movie that's timeless. Did you get, uh, obviously, I'm going to guess this died down a little bit now from way it was in the early 90s but you feel right. you get as much uh, attention and and people recognizing you and messaging you now than you did uh let's say even 20 years ago i think more more now than 20, wow. 20 years ago what am I, 20 years ago yeah more than 20 years ago i'd say like maybe 25 years ago i had like it was an insurgence of just fans um but I'd say now because of the internet, the age of the internet and social media and, you know, people connecting the dots, I think I've definitely, I think now has been the time, the past couple of years, it's been a massive, massive influx of, of fans coming in. And yeah, like you said that, I think that it's like a classic story, you know, it's, you know, this perfect storytelling over a campfire, you know, the ragtag team down and out. And they, you know, everybody wants to see somebody win that, you know, shouldn't win or wouldn't normally win. And I think that, you know, holds true. It's timeless. It's a timeless story. And it's, it's I mean, Emilio Estevez, man. Well, I mean, that's amazing. Emilio! Emilio! <laughs> he is, and he's such a sweet dude. Like literally just one of the nicest people. It's, you you know, never meet your heroes, meet your heroes. Because well, so far it's been so far, it's I've met a lot of my heroes, and so far, it's it's worked out well. He's he's one of those guys. Uh, Colin and I often talk a lot on this show that will you know you'll have those actors or actresses that you love them so much from a role that no matter what they're in from that point in, you will stand up and pay attention. He's one of those for me. Like as soon as I see anything Emilio, I'm like, oh, Gordon Bombay, boom, I, I'm I'm there. And and he's been absent for a while. From he the, has, from but he's coming back. You know, he's been directing, and yeah, so here he's coming back. And what's her name from Gilmore Girls? I forgot Lauren her name. Graham. But she, Lauren She's gr a great actress and she's, I haven't seen her in a while. So I mean, I I don't even know what is gonna happen in the show. Steve keeps it under wraps, but I am so excited to watch and I am so proud uh, of Steve for putting this together again. How many people are asking you, Aaron? Let's get this over and done with. Are you gonna make an appearance? Yeah. I mean, do you, do you get this the call? Or? Hasn't asked yet. Did I get what? <laughs> do you do you yeah, yeah? Have you ever been asked to be on the show? Will you be on it? <laughs> um, so they they did. They asked a bunch of people to. Um, I don't know if I can say this now. Actually, oh, go on. You've started now. You've started saying nobody's it. listening to this show. <laughs> no one's listening to well, this show. <laughs> I will say that I'm not going to be on season one. Okay. Um, and there's a great, very good chance I will be on season two. That's Which is all I can say. Which is exciting because one thing, obviously, with the character of Carp is that, you know, yeah. he's, a, he's a one movie appearance. He doesn't appear in the sequel. So I, I'm right. the type of person who, you know, you wonder what happens to these guys, like Jesse as well, I think is one of the yeah. other ones that doesn't come back. I mean, it's sort of what, what has Carp been up to? I mean, looking at you, What's clearly he he's Picking been eating. Somebody's ass, probably. Probably. <laughs> getting yeah. buff in the gym and kind of doing all that kind of fun I think stuff. so. I think that's definitely a carp move. He's yeah. like, know, getting buff in the gym. He's he's going to therapy for anger issues. And yeah, definitely. You know, 
he found himself. He yeah. started doing plant medicine and found himself and went to Costa Rica <laughs> to do ayahuasca. I don't know. He's, you know, definitely some sort of carp had some issues. Yeah. A lot of us, uh, there were not a lot, but there were a few of us that were a little too young looking. That might be a question that I might be stepping on your. I like it when you answer questions that we've got planned, Aaron, it makes my job easier. Heck yeah. Um, yeah. Um, a, a couple of us were a little too young looking and they needed it to be a couple years later, or I forget exactly how long, but we didn't match the age when people were getting older at a certain time, people were 13, 14 filming the first one. They were turning 15, 16 filming the second one. I was turning uh, 12, 13 and I was young looking myself, Danny Tamborelli, uh, Jesse Smollett, Jane Plank, a few others. We uh, weren't asked to come back to the second one. Uh, reluctantly, Jordan Kerner, who's the executive producer of that, he is, he is like the sweetest human being. Still in contact with him. I still call him about you know anything. And he gave each and one each one of us a call. Like, and we're kids, you know, and this is our first movie for most of us. And we're like, oh, you know, devastated. He sent in like he sent me the helmet that I got that got dented. He said you're still mm. family. Gave me his personal number. Said if you need anything, like we're always family. And then you know, and then heavyweights happened. So I wasn't too bummed, but it it was definitely a blow. But it was something that was necessary for the story for storytelling. And you know, when you look back, I, I don't regret not being in the second. And I, I think it worked out well. It's funny because just before we started this, we're like, you know, I don't think we've ever heard the story on why Carp's not in the second movie. And yeah. then we, we get it what out of the way the hell? now. Where yeah, did like, Carp go? Did he just die? Hey, what happened? <laughs> I nearly boycotted it. it. I nearly boycotted yeah. D2 because of that, really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't watch it for a couple of years. No, I'm joking. I watched it right away. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was bitter for a moment, but I was a little kid and I was just like, I was just in, in awe. I was, honestly, I could say I was in awe of how amazing it was that I booked a movie and that I booked another movie and and I was a working actor at 12 13 I was man I was just I was too happy to be upset or depressed about any of that kind of stuff yeah so if we go back to before the first Mighty Ducks movie um, you know, how much experience did you have in acting at that point like was this your first movie was it your first major role and what was it like uh, actually landing the movie first movie um I, I had a couple small little stints in, in certain things. I was in the show Pete and Pete, which I ended up become I ended up doing that show later on with Danny Tamborelli, uh, who's also in he plays Tommy Duncan in the Mighty Ducks in one, um, and you know famous for all that and a, a whole lot of other Nickelodeon things. Um, he uh, we 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 all. Sorry, I just brain farted completely. <laughs> so early. You're on the Oz Network. It happens constantly. It's, it's a constant thing. <laughs> yeah. well, 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 it's only not took the you only 12 kind of minutes. <laughs> like, you know, that's, uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of the question you just asked me because I just took a detour. Like uh, about how, how, you, uh, how you landed the movie in the first place. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was my first movie. I was, it was Disneyland times a billion. It was the most amazing, incredible experience of my life to this day. Um, it was something that I wanted, I wanted to be an actor. It wasn't like, I wasn't really like my hand wasn't forced into the business. Like that happens sometimes to some kids. I chose, uh, non-reluctantly to like be in this business. Uh, I wanted to be in movies. I, I was dying to be in movies. So when I booked this first film, um, it was, you know, I was six years old when I started 
and I was 10 when I booked it, like the last month of my uh, uh, 10th year, and I lost it. I was crying happiness. You know, it was it was the most incredible experience of my life. And does that come through? You have an agent at 10. Like, how does that work to oh, to kind of even? I, I mean, does and does do they? I mean, as a 10 year old, are you reading scripts or is your agent basically going? I think that my client will be good for this. Don't read it. You're playing an ice hockey kid. Yeah. Well, you know it. Even as a as a ten year old or as a forty year old, if you are in a certain place in the in your career, you're not getting scripts. You're not you're not getting scripts sent to you. You're pretty much getting sides, which are like a, a ten five two pages, a couple scenes of a script to read per auditions, and that's pretty much what happened back then. I would I would get this I would get the sides faxed. Um, over either over to me or I would have to go pick them up off of the door of my agency. And uh, yeah, there were no emails at the time. It was, wow. you know, it was phone calls. And, yeah. A, what? And a so phone line... call? I've heard of that before. <laughs> phone call? Yeah. On Sounds... the uh, cell phones? No, we did not. Uh, yeah, I'm old. Uh, and this was in 1991 when I booked it. Uh, filmed in 92. On, on my birthday, they were filming. Um but uh, yeah, it was it was surreal, um, and I had an agent, and I got an agent when I was about eight years old, and it happened through my own accord, basically. I mean, my mom, God bless her, she is the reason I'm able to do this uh, still, because she was willing to indulge my craziness as a six-year-old being like i'm gonna be an actor and instead of her going like sure you are she was like what would you okay i see an audition on the post at you know ps87 in public school in new york city uh you want to go to this audition i went to this audition i booked it i sang la bamba which wow. i told blue diamond phillips about a couple of years ago when i met him i told him that la bamba was one of my favorite movies as a kid and the reason i started acting uh, was because I booked a, an audition singing La Bamba. He, he's a nice guy, but he was kind of like, great. And, <laughs> and so I, ah, I was thinking about this moment my whole life. But um, Never no. met your heroes. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 he's great. I met, I met one of my heroes there and he's a very nice guy. I'm actually in a movie uh, that's just out now in theaters, in some theaters, um, and it's coming out, I think, in three days uh, on demand called Adverse with Mickey Rourke. Oh, and Blue Diamond Phillips is in it. Sean Astin, Tom nice. C. And Nicholas. Sorry, I'm plugging this, but you know, it's a it's a Please cool movie. Plug name drop away. Go ahead. Yeah, you man. just sold me on my plans for Friday night. <laughs> oh man, you got to watch it. It's it's about like it's about a a I don't know if it's an Uber or a rideshare driver who uh, avenges um, a, a mishap that happens with his younger sister. So it's and Mickey Rourke plays the bad guy. Nice. Wow. Uh, so it's, a, it's an unusual role for Mickey Rourke then. <laughs> oh yeah, nah, yeah, it's, yeah. It was it was just a phone call. He was like, "Yep, I'm there." Yep, um, Mickey, bad. I'm there. Like, that's all he yeah. is. <laughs> but um, yeah, I uh, you know, I, I auditioned for that, and then I I was uh, obsessed. You know, I I wish I was still as obsessed now as I was when I was a little kid because I think you know I think I'd I'd be rocking it out in red carpets nonstop or virtual red carpets. Um, but, you know, I went up to people in the streets. I went up to uh, um, Anthony LaPaglia, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Oh, yeah. Michael Keaton. 
I went up to them in the streets. They were filming around the corner from my house. And I asked uh, Anthony LaPaglia, to, how, how do I do this? How do I get to where you are right now? This six, seven-year-old. And he gave me a list, wrote down a list for me. Got a piece of paper, wrote down a list, told me everything I needed to do. Um, I followed that list and had an agent by the time I was eight. Wow. wow. You're welcome. Yeah. Australia helped you. So you helped Australia for Mighty Ducks That's and right. ice hockey. He's and now Anthony Napalia helped you as an Australian. Wow. Connections. He He's Australian. He, he always is. sounds like he has an Australian slash Brooklyn Italian accent. Yeah. It's kind of in <laughs> no. the middle. Yeah. And it's fun. Yeah. fun story. He's, his brother, Jonathan Napalia, is actually the host of Australian Survivor. So he's doing very well for himself now uh, in Australia. So there's these connections that happen there, Aaron. You know? Very nice dude. And it was very kind of him to go out of the way for some little kid running up on him and being kind of rude. I think I was probably didn't mean to be, but I think I was like, how do you, how do I do this? How do I be in movies? Michael Keaton was like, I'm going to go. And Angela wrote down the whole thing for me. So God bless that guy. He's the reason I found a career that's really hard to uh, (laughs) pursue. Yeah. You, you know, one thing that I've always wondered watching the My Ducks, especially just having rewatched it yesterday, you sort of, when you get older, you learn all the movie tricks and everything. And mm-hmm. uh, you guys are a bunch of kids. I'm going to assume some of you probably knew how to skate. Some of you probably didn't. Like, did was this a prerequisite getting the movie that you had to know how to skate? Or were they like, you know, we'll fix it all with movie magic later? Yeah, they, they didn't. It was Disney um, in the early 90s. And they were not, you know, big on live action. Or if they were, they were. You know, they weren't trying to do CGI. There was no CGI. Um, so they didn't, they wanted everybody to know how to skate. Um, and none of us did. We all <laughs> And I think they knew that was going to happen. They were like, whatever, these are cute kids. Let's just put them in the movie, you know? And, and then they- <laughs> It'll so work they for saw, the early scenes when you're falling flat on your face, right? It did. Actually, it, it's hard to pretend to not know how to skate when you know how to skate. It's wow. actually very hard. It's It's more of a skill to- to fake bad skating than it is to be a good skater. <laughs> but we didn't know anything. So they actually, they, they lengthened the time of uh, production for an extra month. And before we started filming, they spent a month with all of us, uh, teaching us all how to skate. They got this guy, Jack White, who ended up, he's an, also a cartoonist and he wrote the, the original Mighty Ducks with the District 5 duck. That's kind of like a cartoon looking thing. Mm-hmm. That's Jack White, who wow. um, he was a cartoonist. He did storyboards for the whole thing, like all in, in, in the house, in the family. And he was a great hockey player. And uh, he taught all of us. We in, in three weeks, we knew how to skate backwards. We knew how to triple deke. We knew how to pass. You know, we knew how to slap shot like they lift the puck. We knew everything within three weeks. We were like we, you know, movie good skater we can what, we can take it was there was there one like surely there was at least one of the actors one of the kids who was like yeah i know how to skate and they, they just kind of you know hung out you know down at mickey's diner for a month basically having bacon or <laughs> mickey's diner right that, that, place, <laughs> that place still exists it does um, yeah it does right yeah mm. my first time uh, in minneapolis where do you think i went first straight to mickey's diner so it's such know. a cool little spot i like yeah. those little like trailer diners um you know I don't think there well maybe maybe Josh Jackson because he is Canadian, mm. right? So I think he did know. He Born skated with skates really on well. his feet, right? Come on, boom, 
born. Yes. Yeah. Ask Colin. Man. Yeah. You, you, yeah. You're not, I'm the wrong one to ask. The room. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> um, I think he did know how to skate. Cause I remember, you know, I was so young. I don't remember a lot of things, but I do remember that he looked so good on ice. Maybe it's just, he had that swag. He was a good actor. I was, I was, I watched him. I was like, man, this kid's good. I remember watching Josh Jackson. Uh, and yeah, I think he knew how to skate, but I think that's it. Nobody else. Knew. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Which must make it fun though in those, like it's a real bonding exercise I can imagine at that point with you and your cast members that you're learning to skate and it's kind of a, a weird way of getting to know each other rather than if you all knew how to skate, boom, action, you know, kind of. Boom, yeah. And I can imagine as children, like that's more of a natural thing that you get that chemistry, right? Because it, you're acting, sure, but you're also still just kids and you want to make friends. So that's helping you all become friends and bonding at that time. Yeah. You know that question that I was talking about where uh, are we still friends? And uh, mm. that's the one question I get asked a lot. That ties into this. We A lot of us are still friends. And I think it had a lot to do with that bonding. It had a lot to do with us spending that extra month really becoming a family. Um, all Most of us, it was our first or second movie. It, you know, it wasn't, we were all new to this. It was a new experience. And I think that's why it is so popular because you really do see you know, you have to you have to give it to Steve Brill, uh, the writer. Uh, you got to give it to Steve Herrick, who directed it, and Jordan Kerner. Got to give it to Jordan because he made it a family. Avnet Kerner Productions was the one. Jordan Kerner. And I'm not like trying to plug producers. Or, I'm telling you, Jordan Kerner is like one of the biggest menches I've ever met in my life. And he, I think, his, him creating this atmosphere of family really made us feel like a family, and we still do. We're still a family. You know, it's it's wild, actually, to to you don't you never get that in movies. You never get that in movies, TV shows, maybe TV shows you're working for a long time. But most productions, you don't get something like that. And it was devastating. You know, the scene at at the diner where uh, Charlie uh, is crying, he went in that they they chose to film that as like one of the last. I think it was his last scene. He was wrapped after that. And they did that on purpose and it worked because he was devastated. We were all devastated. We were all family. We all bawled our eyes out. I can imagine too, with the the ages of all of you guys in that movie, guys and girls, this movie is 80% kids in the cast. And at least for the scenes you're in, you have essentially two adults that you're acting opposite. What was the environment on the set like with that many kids? Like, was there any focus? (laughs) Was there any lectures that you you might get uh, Emilio, you know, kind of storing off? Like, I can't work under these conditions. I can imagine (laughs) there are probably some moments where it might've gotten a little crazy. I mean, yeah, there definitely were many moments. There were a lot, there's a lot of inter, you know, mother, stage mother to stage mother drama. I'm so happy my mom's on a stage mom because I witnessed some of that and it was like toxic just watching that even as a little kid. Um, but, uh, you know, there was drama. There was some drama going on. I mean, yeah, you get that many, it's a lot of energy, a lot of rambunctiousness, you know, it's definitely, I feel bad for a lot of the crew for, and you know, most of the things that I did in my life, uh, when I was a kid, at least involved other kids. I didn't do, uh, you know, normal, you know, dramas or, you know, it was all, you know, group kid, you know, heavyweights, mighty ducks, Pete and Pete, uh, everything that I did when I was a little kid was all of that. So 
I didn't know any difference, but yeah, it's, it's a headache for them. I think, you know, it's a lot, it's got a lot of, you know, egos because they're, you know, kids, we haven't, you know, we, it's not our fault, but we're, we're given the world and there's a lot of yes people around you automatically as a human being, you go like, Hey, I'm the shit, you know, like, you know, you think you won't say that, you know, but you'll, and then the ego comes out and a lot of people have egos, you know, when they're little kids uh, doing this kind of stuff. So that was definitely an issue on sets. Yeah. Who, who, who was, who was the biggest troublemaker out of all the kids who, which one was <laughs> the worst? Mm, troublemaker. I know Brandon Adams uh, was a little, a little thuggy. With, mm-hmm. you know, he kind of like came up to me almost like prison style. The first time I met him, he came <laughs> up to me and he like looked, looked down at me. He goes, y'all was sitting there. And I, and like my brother's like my brother at one point was a thug, you know, and I grew up on the Upper West Side before it was a nice Upper West Side. It was still Harlem. And so I'm a little, I'm tiny compared to him at the time. And I get up and I'm like, yeah, what you going to do about it? Like, he would start, <laughs> no, you know? And so that started, but then we became quick friends. Um, also, he's a prankster. Brandon's a, a big time prankster. So uh, right. he was definitely, but Sean Weiss, Sean Weiss, big, biggest personality. Mm-hmm. And it still is mm-hmm. biggest personality, uh, funnest person, make you pee laughing. Literally. I- I had the pleasure of interviewing Sean a few years ago and yeah, yeah, just such a thrill because I, I played field hockey and I was a goalie. So, and I was quite a large kid as well. So it was kind of, I always related quite well to Goldberg. Yeah. 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 Goldberg. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. And he's doing well now. I don't know if you guys are like, no, we're going to ask, I was going to ask if you knew an update on Sean. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. He's doing well now. Um, it was definitely a touch and go for a long time. There were a lot of situations throughout the years. We were all trying to help him. Aaron lore from part two. He, uh, he, he works in, um, in recovery. He's, you know, runs a place. He's married to a Dina Menzel. Did you guys know that? Did yeah, not. I met her. At, I there was a Ducks reunion. We went to the NHL Ducks, and uh, I was like, "Hello, <laughs> I'm in love with you." <laughs> That's your husband. I'm sorry. You know, yeah. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Sean. You know, we we all tried to help him. You know, at a, at a certain point when you're addicted to drugs, which is you know, it's a thing that happens uh, to everybody. But you know, celebrities or people in the limelight. Who, you know, you see it, you see everything. Um, you're not going to get help unless you really want help. And uh, luckily, Sean has finally wanted help. And uh, he is now with the help of Natanya Beth Ross, who has really, like, really come in and, and, and hooked, him, hooked him up with a lot of recovery and, you know, great stuff. Um, right. He's been able to recover. And he's, I just talked to him yesterday, I just texted him. He's living in a new place. Uh, he's near Whole Foods, which he's happy about, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and he, he looks great. He looks, he looks great. He's in good spirits and he's makes me like, it warms my heart because uh, I was really rooting for him. Yeah. Great to hear. Yeah. Which is, it's kind of interesting, um, you know, sort of the publicity around that, because it's, it's always interesting when you see, these where are they now sort of, you know, what, what happened to the cast of the Mighty Ducks things and, and sort of, you know, his photos and all that sort of get brought up, which, I mean, it's, it's a shame. Like, it's, I can understand the angle of what people are, are going for in terms of, like, you know, it's, it's a sad story, it's but it's problem. obviously, 
Yeah. It's a, pro it's a problem, that angle. And I'm actually, I'm in the process of doing a documentary. I don't know if you guys knew about the documentary that I was doing. It was uh, a documentary called Stigma Raised in Hollywood. And it's about the stigma attached to child actors. Wow. And a lot of like, there's been child actor documentaries. There was just one, Alex Winter just did an awesome one with HBO uh, called um, Showbiz Kids. Um, but there hasn't really been one about talking about the stigma that's attached to it and why it, why it's there. Is it, it, should it be there? Is it manufactured, you know? So uh, this documentary that I'm doing is, is basically about the, where are they now is the, the clickbaits, the, you know, all those things like why, why, why do they exist? I mean, is it just because we want to see a mess and then we want to see it cleaned up? Uh, is, is there more to it? So that's, it's kind of a little investigative documentary that I'm doing and, been put on hold slightly, but a, a friend of mine uh, and business partner, Chris Canote, who's a filmmaker, is working with me on that, and we're we're uh, we're halfway through. So I've right. got a teaser that I'm going to release in the next uh, two weeks, and it's I'm really excited. So there's going to be a lot of answers to that, to like why is it that people want to you know want to see that damage, you know? Yeah, and why yeah, am I normal? That's what people ask me all the time. I'm not normal. <laughs> why am I normal? And like. You know, and it's like I I have a lot of child actor friends who are extremely normal, more normal than half of the population out there. Jonathan Lipnicki's good friend, mm. and he is, you know, he's a quirky dude, just like all of us are. If we're actors, we, we we're we're going to be innately quirky to choose something like that. Uh, but he's a solid, sweet, kind, down to earth, will kick your ass individual. <laughs> <laughs> like he he's a black belt in jujitsu and and gracie jujitsu oh, yeah. joke yeah and i roll around with him in the to like that's part of the interview we like talk and we walk and then we like i used to do jujitsu but i like did like a year and a half and he's you know been doing it for 15 so he kicks my ass and it's all over camera it's wonderful <laughs> Yeah. So is this the first uh, time you've really stepped behind the camera you know to work on uh, anything like uh, any type of filmmaking capacity Yes. Yes, it is. I've always wanted to. Um, I learned a lot about, I always ask questions. I'm the annoying guy who asks questions on sets. Some people love it, some people hate it. I'm like, why can't you take the camera there? What lens are you using? How does that work? Why is the light back there? Why are you zooming in this way? How did you make, you know, how did that happen? How did you do that? And like, you know, you know Anthony LaPaglia would listen to me. Yeah, yeah. You should too. Anthony LaPaglia when I need him. I want to, Eat some Zupa de Pesh and, and Vegemite. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a famous Australian combination right there. You know, yeah, right there, right? That's actually yeah. probably good. The earthiness yeah. of the uh, yeah. Yeah, it would work. It would work very well. Which because you you stepped away from from acting for a while after Heavyweights, mm -hmm. didn't you? So it's kind of to to get back into that and then to kind of use that, I guess, curiosity of the behind the scenes stuff to now use it into a, a documentary like this. I mean, was that your time away from acting was that something you ever thought about rather than going back into acting more so filmmaking rather I did. Than acting? i did think about it for a bit i thought maybe i should go to film school but then i'm like i think i know a lot or i could always learn you know the math behind you know lighting and stuff like that but i'm not going to be a director of photography that that would be too tedious for my left brain it needs to like go around and do you know but um i i did think about it i'm a huge fan of scorsese of you know i of different filmmakers that like kind of use the camera as a character as well. And so I was really into like movement and how cameras work and how they, you know, I learned about snorri cams and made my own snorri cam 
like a thing. And I was like obsessed with the mechanics of stuff. I did think about it, but I, I think the reason I approached this documentary was not to be a filmmaker, because I'm not really, I'm more writing and kind of co-directing uh, and being in it as opposed to really making the film. I mean, I'm making it, I have, I am making it, but I, I didn't do it with that goal in mind. I did it because I thought this was something that really uh, irked me a little bit, you know, and I think it in, inhibits a lot of uh, younger actors or, or kids who want to be actors. Should they be actors? Mm-hmm. You know, Corey Feldman in the documentary tells me that no child should be given the opportunity uh, to become famous before they're 18, because ultimately it's going to lead to their downfall. That's Corey Feldman's point of view. Hmm. I, on the other hand, didn't have that point of view. Maybe I'm shifting. Maybe I'm, you know, so I, um, I, you know, I, I think I lost my train of thought once again. <laughs> I don't know. I'm getting old, man. It's telling you it happened. This is just, it's just like, seriously, I'm actually surprised that you've only done it twice. I mean, twice. And I, yeah. yeah. We're usually talking about five something minutes. else by now. Yeah. Oh man. But yeah, no, I, it's, it's something that, you know, it's, it was important to me. And so I, I chose it, uh, not as a means to be a filmmaker, but as a means to kind of get the story out there and, you know, kill two birds with one stone in a way. Mm. With, um, with the role of carp, um, you know, you're, you're a young actor. Obviously, it's a lot different now when you get a role and you get into that character's head, you know. You're, you're trying to work out who they are, backstory, all that sort of stuff. I mean, do you just basically as a kid go, this kid's a cool guy, he's a bit of a goofball and he's going to get smacked in the head pretty hard? I mean, is that kind of how you, you, you look at it? Or, I mean, or can you as a, as a young actor in your first role try and get into the mind of Dave Carp? I took... I took Meisner... No, I took... Uh, I went to Lee Strasberg. With Adam Bush. Do you guys know who Adam Bush is? I do he's not. A, he's a pretty well-known actor. I love that kid. I'm totally diverting all of your questions into something else. I'm sorry. <laughs> no um, problem. Anyway, I went to Lee Strasberg, um, and I learned about acting technique. And this is before I did the Ducks. I, w- I went to Strasberg, and I, we, I took method acting. But it didn't really sink in. I didn't really start using it at that time. I knew about character development and I knew about, you know, breaking down a script and how to do it, but I didn't utilize it. I think at that age, I think I just, I think it was whatever innately I I thought, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't the greatest little actor at the time. I think they thought I was cute and they were like, let's put him in the movie. He can say the lines and he's memorizes them. I wasn't good. You know, I wasn't good, but um, I did get, I did get good uh, because I was, I did start becoming obsessed with that and start understanding that. And then I went to, you know, Meisner classes and I took two year programs, Maggie Flanagan class. And, you know, I really got into like diving into, you know, what, how emotions, you know, stew in a person and what makes it come out looking a certain way. And, you know, you have to fake a little bit for the audience because sometimes you just think and it doesn't look like anything. And so there's like, there's like nuance to all that. And I, but as an 11 year old, I looked at the script and I went, I don't have a lot of lines. (laughs) And then heavyweights, I was like, damn, I got a lot of lines. Highlighting everything like shit, shit, you know? Why am uh, I doing this? What am I doing to myself? No, I was, uh, I memorized the script for heavyweights. I do not have that, uh, whatever the word is, 
verb, Viver. Do I don't know. Now. I don't have that anymore, but I, I memorized the script for heavyweight. So wow. I think it was more about not looking like an idiot on set when Which, I was that age. With that in mind now, knowing what you know, and going back to our point, should Carp return in Mighty Ducks Games? I mean, how do you put yourself back into that mind of Carp now? Do you legitimately think he's gone mm. off and found himself? And, you know, I mean, you look vastly I different to when you were 11, so... Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, you're, you're, it's actually, that's actually a good question. And I've never been asked that question. Ding. There it is. Ding, there we go. You win the 1002. Prize. <laughs> you win the prize. Fantastic. Um, uh, you know, I honestly, I depends on what Steve, what Brill writes, you know, if he writes the character to be one way, then I know where I got to go. And then I, then I thought that backstory, I mean, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be this high, you know, falutin drama and it's going to be like intense to get into that character. Um, but um, yeah, it depends on how Steve, uh, you know, turns the, turns the tide with Carp. I think the interesting thing though about like if you did return, it's, it's, I mean, the one positive to not being in the sequels is that we only know what we get in that first movie. It's not like, you know, with, with Josh's character of Charlie, like there's development of that character, you know, uh, the Adam Banks character, you know, the Connie, all these yeah. characters that we've seen multiple times, we kind of get to know them a little bit more. Whereas with yourself, you know, the character of Jesse, all these other characters who were only in it for one film, you've got a go? lot more of a spectrum to, to work with, don't you? Yeah. And there's, and it's also good for Steve. It gives Steve a lot of room to, you know, create this storyline of like, where did he go? What did he do? We can mm. do some cool things with that. You know, did he decide, did he become like a Mensa candidate? Did he win a Nobel prize carp? This like idiot Did he all of a sudden like invent the, uh, you know, the perpetual battery that we can use in all smartphones now, you know, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things, but um, yeah, I think that's the beauty of, of not having to have been in second and third and I think it's, you know, I think he did write me into the second one. Um, and then there was something, there was an issue with, no, the third one. And there was an issue after Heavyweights, because he wrote Heavyweights. He wrote and directed uh, Heavyweights with Judd Apatow. Judd, that was Judd Apatow's first film. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, he's like, okay, we got to get, you know, got to get him back in number three. Um, and he, he wrote me in as the announcer in that. I don't know if you remember there was an announcer in part was, three. Yeah. The kid from the nanny, and, if I'm not mistaken, the young boy, he was in what? the nanny, wasn't he? Um, yes. The, I, yes. I can't remember his yes. name. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I had it first, buddy. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I was signed up to do that in part three, but uh, Disney has, forget how it works really, but there was something with the contract uh, and Disney has a, a thing that stipulates to help talent but in this case, it didn't really help me. Um, I would have made an, a, a massive amount of money for that small role because I just did another Disney film and that Disney couldn't afford it. So wow. I did wow. doing it. But Steve did tell me that he wrote me in as the announcer. And I forget what he said, but like I went away and went to magic school or magic. Because <laughs> I, I think he, he, he went to magic school, Steve Brill. So I think that's he, he wrote me as doing that as well. They've I, got I to bring remember. that back for game. Come on. Like carp has to Come have on. been a magician. Who doesn't want to see carp be like, is that your card? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> ah, like know? brilliant. I'm seeing this now. Yeah. I just, I just want to. Yeah. Wow. That's. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you mentioned heavyweights, and uh, I, j- I actually just rewatched that last night. Uh, funny enough, I-, I was the right age when that came out. I-, I don't know if you remember a movie called Camp Nowhere that came out around the same time. Yes, uh, I, I was absolutely obsessed with Camp Nowhere, and I saw the preview to heavyweights. I'm like, I got to see this movie. And somehow the movie, uh, it, 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 I never saw it until probably my mid 20s. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Went from happened really got to see this movie. Yeah, but you know what? I'm actually glad I did because uh, maybe it is because of the involvement of people like Judd Apatow and Ben Stiller. I mean, a lot of these people, you know, at the time you worked with them, probably didn't think anything of it. But now they're Judd Apatow, they're Ben Stiller, you know, Tim Blake Nelson. I'm actually wearing an Islander shirt today in honor of your character's Islander introduction. Fan, huh? <laughs> yeah, Tim Blake I Nelson. love the Islanders. Yeah, I you know I I put two and two together that it was Tim Blake Nelson years later. Saw so, oh yeah, oh brother, where art thou? And then I saw him at a Starbucks and I was like, Tim. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, well, first I was like, whoa, six shots of espresso. (laughs) I do a triple shot, but like, he goes, you'll work your way up there. And then I was like, I did uh, heavyweights with you a long time ago. I played, uh, he goes, oh my God. I can't believe that. And it was a whole thing. And I think a lot of people pulled favors in that. I think a lot of people, because mm-hmm. Judd was working at, um, he was working on the Larry Sanders show, with Gary Shandling at the time, he was a writer. Um, and I, you know. Uh, Jeffrey Tambor's in the movie too. Tambor. He was Larry Sanders. Hey now. Yeah. Yeah. He played my dad and, you know, you have all these people and, you know, you have Ben Stiller, friends. You have, all these people were friends and trusted Judd. And even though this was Judd's first movie, Disney was like, let's do it. You know, mm. they trusted Steve and then they, I think they just kind of like pulled favors and these people ended up becoming massive. Mm. You know, Peter Berg. Yeah, Peter Berg cameo. <laughs> you know? I mean, you, I guess you couldn't even say it was a cameo because that, that, that's the thing at the time. He wasn't these, even well-known like, at the time. Yeah, these are like kind of their first breakout roles too. You may have been one of the more well-known actors in that movie. Maybe. I, th- I mean, Ben Stiller, Reality Bites just came out and he mm-hmm. directed that and I, I remember... I, I knew about Ben. I knew I knew about Peter Berg actually because uh, he was an actor at the time. He wasn't working a lot, and he ended up switching gears and wrote stuff because he was like, "I want to be in this business." And I heard a whole story about him, and he ended up writing, doing the Matt Damon thing, and that's how he became Pete Berg that we know. But at the time, he was um, not very well known, but he, he played a, somebody with a mental disability in a movie called um, "Just for." Um, um, Guess who's coming to dinner or something like that? I forget what it was called, late for dinner. But he, I was astonished with his acting ability. I, I was like, he's really good. And then I saw him and I was like, is that Peter Berg? And Judd was like, you know who Peter Berg is? I was like, yeah. Oh my God. I was like, what is he doing this movie for? And he's like, famous. And he's like, no, he's not. He's like, he's not even getting a string credit. <laughs> Uh, Mark Marin was got a SAG card doing Mighty Ducks two, and then was cut out. So like you know he because he's he, he creeped out the kids according to uh, Steve. <laughs> like, all these people are friends with Judd had as this massive amount of friends, and they I was lucky enough to like touch greatness with all these yeah. people. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It's it's it must be fascinating though to look back on those those roles and you know that have as we're talking about the Mighty Ducks, heavyweight, you know, have influenced kids. They they love that that. But the Mighty Ducks has like this weird fandom where you know people love it. They they get into it. But then you have 
the ones who go a little bit too far. You know, they start analyzing the play like that was offside. Like, you know, that would never <laughs> be aligned. You can never do the flying V. I, I love it how then really you... A- Left wing forward, or is that yeah? Yeah, <laughs> all I, things like, I don't even know what my position was. Yeah, <laughs> your defense. You were, you were a D man. Yeah. yeah, you were a D man. Yeah. But I, I love. There's an article here where they rank the players. Every Mighty Ducks player ranked by greatness. They've ranked 19 of the players. You came in at 15th. Yeah, um, surprise! I wasn't 19. Yeah, wasn't well. Yeah, so well, at number nineteen was um, Lewis Mendoza, just because he couldn't stop, right? So uh, basically, they thought <laughs> oh, he, yeah. he sucked. But you were above the Duncans, you were above Tammy and Tommy, and then you were above Peter as well. So, um, but that really? says here that you let's not sugarcoat this. Carp is the fat kid, even on a team of lazy, <laughs> out of shape dudes. He's the one you would single out as the fat kid. His backward skating can only be described as poor, and he's easily intimidated by opponents. There's really nothing positive you can say about his on-ice game, but he does bring a lot to the table in terms of keeping the room light. He's a prankster. He's well-liked by the other players. And if you're going to have a guy on the end of the bench who doesn't play a ton of minutes, you want it to be someone like Carp. Ayo. And he knows what sarcasm <laughs> is, too. What's that? He, he knows what sarcasm is. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, you know, that backward skating I'm a little offended by because that was some good backward skating. I don't know. You guys rewatched <laughs> that scene and watched my backward skating. I'm not leaning too far forward. My knees are bent just the right amount, and I'm using a nice swoosh back and forth motion. Man. But on I'm that, telling- though, why do you drop to your knees? <laughs> that's how you get hit in the head you drop to your knees and then boom. how is a puck gonna hit my head if i'm not on my knees but there's got to be an explanation is this like a defensive tactic that bombay is putting towards you like carp if you get to this point and yeah. you're one-on-one drop to your knees take the puck in your head <laughs> get knocked out yeah. yeah there's got to be some sort of tactic it's a slow drop too yeah. it's like a, a quick it might have been my inability to drop to my knees too quickly, but you know, it was like a it, yeah, it was like a pause, and I'm like sitting there waiting. Yeah, yeah. Another uh, little thing I don't know if you want to call it trivia or whatever that I never quite picked up on until I watched it yesterday. Uh, the main character everybody would say is Charlie in that movie, but like Charlie kind of becomes the main character in the last half of it. Mm-hmm. You're the first of the kids introduced. I mean, probably I would say arguably the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie, it's all Carp. Carp's the one who's all over Bombay. Carp's the one diving in the dumpster, diving out of the dumpster. I'm glad you said that. Uh, do you want to be my agent? Or- <laughs> <laughs> uh- the original Mighty Duck. <laughs> Screw Joshua Jackson. You could have had Dawson's Creek. I look back. I talked to Steve about it. I look back um, and I see, like, if you look at all of the – I'm always next to Emilio. I'm always front and center. I'm a small character. Mm-hmm. Well, not small, but I'm like, you know, not a main, main character, but I'm always there. I'm in the beginning. I'm the one who's always next to him. You look at the covers. I'm always like next to Emilio. I'm always, you know, and I, I wonder, because I think Steve wrote that character after a good friend of his uh, named Carp. I think he had a name, a friend named Carp. Um, and I think it was like an homage to his friend. And I think he wanted that character to be a little more up and center, even though it wasn't, you know, a major part of the narrative. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why I was, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about it. I'm on <laughs> celluloid history forever, right in the middle. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I think that's what it was. I think it was Steve 
but yeah, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that. It, that does. I am the first one in it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'd love Thank to find you. out about the hat that. that you wear, like the little. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a Russian style. Mm-hmm. You got like almost. Was that? I mean, yeah. what was there? Was the idea behind that? Do you ever find it? Do you get to keep the hat afterwards as well? I did not. I wanted the hat. Oh. Um, I hated it at the time. I was like, this looks horrible on me. <laughs> I looked Russian, and I think it was because I looked. I looked Russian. I mean, I've always looked Russian. I've always looked somewhat Ukrainian, uh, Hungarian blood, you know, Hungarian, Polish. Um, I don't know the reason. I think they just thought I would look like a little troublemaker with it. You know, <laughs> Those Russian troublemakers. <laughs> I kept, oh my God. Wait a second. Hold up. Oh, he's going to go get, get something. This is what we always get. The props. The two prep. seconds. Two seconds. I you guys it. Colin and is, I will is, just break this time by singing something. I is think. Averman at the door? Yeah. <laughs> is he going to join us? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Emilio Estevez is here. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise guest on the Aaron Schwartz interview presenting uh, Emilio. Emilio, what you been up to? How, how Never mind. You? Sorry, guys. I know this is a podcast and that was re- very rude of me. Uh, I wanted to show you guys something <laughs> just because I thought it was cool, but uh, I can't find it. You can't find it. But you, you mentioned you got the helmet back eventually. So, do you have any other like props? Did you keep anything from your time on the movie? Uh, yeah, a couple jackets. Uh, I the they gave us like a a crew jacket, which was like Emilio's jacket, the Ducks jacket. Um, I gave that to my. I lived in Israel for a couple of years. When I left, I left. I went to Israel. It was like a big thing that I did. But my brother was learning in Israel. My Jewish family. Um, and I went there and I ended up staying there for a couple of years. I was like, this is fun. Let me just go do this. Um, and I gave it to my girlfriend out in Israel and never got it back. Oh, really devastated about that. But yeah, well, I'm, uh, we're really big in Israel. So I'm sure she's listening and feels guilty <laughs> right now. Yeah. She actually lives in Australia. Actually. Oh, oh, even bigger like, listenership there. I don't think yeah. we've got any listeners there. <laughs> no one knows about yeah. us there. You know, I'm going to come out there and like, Hunter down, get my jacket. <laughs> the, the one uh, thing too that that comes from it, of course. I mean, we all know the story. The fact that you know Anaheim gets an NHL team. To this day, I, I support two teams in the NHL. One of them is Anaheim because of the Mighty Ducks. Like they will always stay with me. But I mean, a lot of the stuff that came from that. I was just watching a clip on YouTube of you guys got to go and do the ceremonial puck drop, sort of as a celebration mm-hmm. of that, and uh, obviously everything that came with that. I mean, do do you keep following? Do you follow the Ducks because of this? Were you are you a hockey fan because of this? Do you go for the Rangers or Islanders because you're from New York? But I mean, what do you take? From I'm a that? big Rangers fan just because I was raised a Rangers fan, big Mets fan just because I was raised a Mets fan. But I'm not really. A, I don't follow sport. I was raised by a single mother. Um, my dad also really didn't, you know, follow sports. And so I kind of like never really, I wish I did. Some of my bros are like, let's go watch some football. I'm like, (laughs) it would be boring as hell. I wouldn't be able to, but, um, I do, I did start following hockey a little bit. Um, but then just, it it just didn't hit me, but yes, I did. I do follow the ducks on Instagram and I do follow some of the players and the ducks follow me back. And, you know, Derek Grant is somebody that I was hanging out with a little bit. We became buddies for a second. I talked to him about, like, the intricacies of being a hockey player and the money they make. We got real personal, actually. We talked about the money they make and, like, what it's like. And, you know, I met the press press person for them. And so I got to know a little bit about how the workings of of a NHL hockey team work. And that made me interested in, in watching it so i started watching actually a little bit yeah 
I would assume that you guys would almost have like a, a free golden ticket because without you guys, they wouldn't have a bloody team. So I kind of assume that the, the Ducks owe you guys a bit. We kind of do. We yeah. kind of do. Yeah, gave us her card, the press lady. I don't know about her title. I think that's her title. Um, and uh, she said, anytime you guys want to go see a game, give us a call. Wow. And then in that time, you, you the one Ben's talking about where you guys did the ceremonial puck drop, was that like the biggest reunion there's been of this cast or have, have there been any other type of reunions? There have been a couple. Uh, there was one uh, a couple years prior in Los Angeles at Jordan Kerner's house, uh, the flying V that you saw on the tennis court they took mm-hmm. pictures of. Mm-hmm. That was at uh, Jordan's house, tennis court in the house. They, <laughs> Just nice show. <laughs> Well, you uh, don't have concern. one, Aaron. You're, you're actually not. <laughs> no, no oh. I sold my other house. I like to live modestly. Okay. You might have asked money ran out. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's what we were speculating when you stepped away there for a second. We're like, bet she's off to play tennis in the yeah. other room. Yeah, I went to, yeah, golf and tennis at the same time yeah. <laughs> on my yeah. golf tennis court. Um, yeah, and so we did have a reunion there at his house, and we did the Flying V, and that was, I think, probably the biggest, biggest reunion. Sean was there for that, Goldberg. And so that was really fun. Um, that was the first time we had like a massive reunion. And then, yeah, that was like the official reunion uh, for the NHL. And it was, it was just so cool. Mm-hmm. We got to walk, you know, be back at the and Anaheim behind the things and go like, I have been on, I've been to so many uh, hockey rinks, you know, official hockey rinks and met so many you know, hockey players and seeing that sport f- from the inside out. And I'm lucky as hell that I got yeah. to do it. Including yeah. in the movie itself. Yeah. 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 North stars, stars, Minnesota stars, now the Dallas stars. And I don't know, mm-hmm. stars all over the place, but yeah, <laughs> Mike Madano, Mike yeah. Madano, Mike Madano. And um, what was his name? Um, McCraig. Gavin, Travis, I don't know. But yeah. I always just no, notice Mike Madonna. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like a Gretzky, you know, of, yeah, exactly. of, uh, of the stars. And so, yeah, we met and we got to skate on, on the rink. We got the, the big one was skating uh, on the on MSG. I got to go and shoot against uh, the Rangers goalie in M- at MSG. Nice. That was wow. That was like at home. That's, I was born and raised in, in New York. So that yeah. was like the coolest. Yeah. Anytime to go to MSG, you, you'd take that opportunity. Uh, Basil McRae is the other guy. Just to Basil McRae. Which, which, I mean, let's be honest though. He's if you had been in... He, well, he looks so tall. tall. Like, I don't know. I just assume because you guys are little kids. But uh, if you had been in mm. the second one, you would have met Gretzky. And if you had been the announcer in the third one, you would have got to call a game with Paul Correa. So you did miss out yeah. on those guys. Thanks, man. Yeah. Just rubbing it in. This yeah. is supposed to be a fun podcast. What's happening here? You know, we're, we're nearly at the hour mark. That's what happens. It kind of goes Aussie, downhill, right? basically. <laughs> Damn Australians. When you eventually, <laughs> what what sort of brought about once you stepped away from acting and then you sort of got back into it? Like, was there just an epiphany? You wanted to get back into it? It was always the goal? Or needed to pay the bills? I've always loved it. It just kind of drew me back in. I was uh, uh, definitely not needed to pay the bills. You don't choose acting. Uh, I mean, it can pay everybody's bills or it could, you know, you can be on unemployment for a long time. And you end up doing a podcast um, like this. So yeah. yeah. Hey, no, I'm doing all right now. Hey, you're frigid silver. I can see I'm in a movie right now. What are you talking about? Um, But uh, yeah, I think, you know, the, I think I've always loved it. 
I was six years old. I wanted to do it. It's something that anytime I get a chance to act, sometimes the business gets rough and I'm like, I'm getting out of here. You know, COVID was not easy. So I was like, oh, maybe I should just go like, you know, do real estate. But then I get a chance to audition for something big or, or act in something. And it just re-energizes me every time. It's just like, this is what I wanted to do my whole life since I can remember. And this is what I think I was made to do. So and I, I, I can't stay away from it. And tell me if this is true or not. You were in an MCU film? What's, uh, oh yes, I was. Yes, I was. Uh, Playing a very famous younger version of a very famous actor? Yes, it's, uh, they decided James Gunn in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 decided that young Kurt Russell, young Ego, um, they should use less CGI and more in-camera effects. They wanted to try it and do, they did it with Ant-Man and they did this like it's a mixture of CGI and in-camera matching. Mm. And uh, they it's kind of the precursor to, you know, face swapping and stuff like that. They kind of used this technology uh, back when they did that. And uh, they needed an actor to play this character because any scene that Kurt Russell did, uh, the actor would have to mimic, we'd all have dots on our faces, have to mimic him and then they would mesh it. And they would, you know, like slow us down and make our, move our faces. And they would like, they would have the frame on frame, the effects people in like in, in uh, Video Village to watch the whole thing. So they needed an actor to do it. At first I booked it and I was like, oh my God, I just booked a Marvel movie. <laughs> I made it, you know? And then they were like, you're not gonna be in it. <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh, fuck. Like what? <laughs> my agent and, you know, Sarah Finn's office, the casting director, great casting director. They use her for everything. Um, and my agent and my manager were all like, do it, just do it. Like, just do it. <laughs> It's good for the look of everything. And you get to meet all these people and you get to hang out with Kurt Russell. So I went out there and uh, I got to hang out with Kurt Russell for two weeks and wow. James Gunn. And man, it was, it was, there's another moment of meeting your heroes. I did the whole opening monologue to uh, uh, Big Trouble in Little China for Kurt Russell. <laughs> wow. I love it. Yeah, Fantastic. And imagine this now. If they, if they ever get around to doing, you know, another escape from New York, do like escape from Minneapolis or something like that. And you're the guy they're going to call <laughs> Snake Plissken. Put those dots on my face, baby. Yes. Yeah. There you go. You've still got him. You've got him in the drawer ready to go. Just put the dots. I'm like, did you talk to somebody? Did they? <laughs> Which I have to ask then. I mean, you've sort of been in the MCU, you, you're part of the, you know, the Mighty Ducks franchise. But when it comes to the fans, who are, who are crazier? The the MCU ones, who I'm sure know you, the dots from your face, the Mighty Ducks, or the Gossip Girl <laughs> fandom? I can't imagine the Gossip Girl fandom are very Gossip calm. Gossip Girl fandom is is is, is big one. There's a mm. lot of Aussies. It's yeah. a lot of Aussies. That show is quite I big in Australia. Really, it's crazy. Brazil, Australia, um, I think Ecuador is one big one. There's yeah, I get a lot of strange. Uh, other language messages in my direct message <laughs> little filter folder. Sometimes I go through that just to see what's going on in there. And it's like, whoa, yeah. like, I don't know what you're saying. That's There's how we got this interview going, right? Like I just spoke in a weird language. You know, oh, Aussie, we'll do that interview. Yeah. yeah. I still don't understand what you're saying. I just no don't. 
no one does. It's it's, it's all good. They, they might. Well, yeah, no. maybe. <laughs> you nearly got it there. You nearly got it there. But I mean, Gossip Girl in itself. I mean, obviously a, a fun show to be a part of. But uh, I mean, it's kind of interesting. You start off in the Mighty Ducks, end up in in Gossip Girl. Would you rather go back to a Gossip Girl reboot, or would you rather go back to Mighty Ducks Game Changers? Do I have to pick? Yes, it's it's law. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I like Vaughn. I, oh man, it's a tough pick. I mean, I'm, I'm, I am a, you know, my heart is uh, thankful towards the Mighty Ducks. So I'd have to pick the Mighty Ducks if I had to pick because it was, you know, my childhood. But Gossip Girl was such a cool character and I got to create this character. You know, it was kind of written a little differently and I got to create this like slapsticky Russian guy. And it was, you know, I got to, start doing comedy for the first time in my life and like it was a little dorky a little it was a big chance i took i thought the casting directors were gonna like tell my agent that you know he's never gonna work again i really like went in there like uh, this is a mistake but i took the chance and it worked and it was something that i was really i guess i was really proud of that i was able to like pull off kind of the russian accent and pull off this character who's not a lot like me he's very like you know Bumbly. Well, yeah, wasn't like me until I hit forty. Now I become bonded. But um, yeah, I I really loved doing Gossip Girl, and they there is a resurgence of Gossip Girl. Joshua Saffron is now the uh, showrunner of a new Gossip Girl uh, that's out uh, when the CW. Oh no, HBO Max. Sorry. Um, and uh, and uh, hey, I told him already. I told him I was like, hey man, if you ever bring up. If you bring back Banya, I'm ready to go. I'll work on that accent. So. You're just, just waiting these characters just sitting around. Like, you know, you're waiting for the, the game changes, Gossip Girl. Like, just somebody nuggets. hire Aaron Schwartz. Come on. Just nuggets <laughs> waiting to get in my bank account, right? Where are they? <laughs> I'm just I'm just waiting for everything else to come through. I mean, uh, you know, I think you're in, what, the Suits pilot. You're in Young Sheldon. I mean, all these other friends. You could get into Megan and Harry's world with Suits. Yeah. You, you know, get in the Big Bang Theory extended universe. I mean, God, you've got so many options here. I was in, I was in Young Sheldon. Yeah, uh, as a as a, a non-speaking prisoner started <laughs> off as a speaking prisoner, and they were like, "We're just gonna cut his line." I was like, "Okay." I'm Do they know who you are? Are you not like I was cop in the Mighty Ducks? Like, <laughs> Do you know who I am? I'm like, no, no, I would not do that. But I didn't get to meet after Young Sheldon. I did do um um what's that show? Uh, Kaminsky Method, mm. and I got to meet Chuck Lorre. Wow, and I. I think we kind of butt heads a little bit. Oh, it's not just Charlie like, Sheen then. It's just Chuck. Like yeah, everyone thinks no. it's Charlie Sheen. It's actually Chuck Lorre. No. Yeah, it might have been a tiger blood though. But was <laughs> well, you had the connection to Emilio, so like maybe he knew that. Maybe he's like, yeah. oh, this kid, oh, yeah. he's friends with Charlie's yeah, brother. Why I Fuck don't him. Talk about Charlie, yeah. even though there's a lot of uh, stuff talking. Uh, I don't because of Emilio, I will never, you'll never hear me talk shit about Charlie. But mm. um, I did get to meet Chuck Lorre and he did line read me. Like he oh. gave me a line read and I was like, are, are you line reading me? He goes, <laughs> yes, yes I am. And he goes back, I'm like, oh. Chuck Lorre. <laughs> Everybody else. And that's why your lines were cut in Young Children. <laughs> yeah, they were like, oh, that's the same kid? Cut his lines. Get yeah. him out. <laughs> Don't care who he was. He knows Emilio. Fuck that kid. Fuck that kid. You, you mentioned, obviously, um, you know, working on the documentary Adverse coming out. Uh, any, anything else that we should be keeping an eye out, Aaron, that you're currently working on? Um, 
the the documentary is uh, occupying the documentary and my new puppy Sammy the <laughs> golden retriever who has destroyed my hands um they're, they're occupying a lot of my time right now uh documentary it's like you know I don't have a studio or anything attached to it yet I haven't I was uh in the midst of pitching it when COVID hit and so we kind of like it took like it was put on the back burner um and so I don't have a network behind it or, or somebody behind it to like do things. So it's all kind of like guerrilla style right now. Still, we're still doing it. So it's slow moving because of COVID. Um, so that's taken a lot of time. Um, but adverse right now is the one that's out. Um, and pony boy is in talks of becoming a feature. Oh. Uh, and that was a, it was a short film that I did that I really love. Uh, first film done by uh, uh, an intersexed person as a director, writer, producer, and star. Um, and I got to play a bisexual pimp in wow. New Jersey. <laughs> now that's Kobe the dream. Time. That's what you always aim for, right? That is the dream. Are you kidding me? Legit, yeah. as an actor? Yeah. Like you either run for the hills or you jump in and hope you don't look, you don't Nicholas Cage it. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. early Nicholas Cage, it, you're on. You know. What yeah. I mean? yeah. So that's something that I'm I'm excited for. But yeah, ultimately documentary, adverse, and uh, that's it. Yeah. Great, great. And and people want to stay up to date with you and send you random messages in you know from Ecuador or things mm -hmm. like that. Where where can they follow you? Where can they check you out? Uh, it's at Aaron Schwartz 11. So A-A-R-O-N-S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z 11, pretty much across the board at Aaron Schwartz 11, Twitter, uh, Facebook, you can find me there. Um, Tinder. And uh, yeah, I have a <laughs> website, AaronSchwartz.net. You can check that out as well. And that's pretty much, you know, I'll check my, uh, I'll check my, my, uh, my junk folder in my DMs. I'll, I'm yeah. looking forward to uh, different languages all over the place. I'm looking forward to seeing where you can get this from. And just before we let you go, Aaron, let's try this one more time. How many fingers am I holding up? 16. Six, correct. Yeah. So you, right. Wouldn't know that anyway. There you go. Um, Aaron, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. I uh, really, really enjoyed this chat. And uh, yeah, all the best. We're going to keep an eye on uh, how all these things roll out. And we look forward to seeing you suit up again in the Mighty Ducks Game Changers Season 2 to Disney+. Plus. Fingers crossed. Woo! Yes. Nice. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And a big thanks to Aaron there. Lot of fun. Colin, um, you you are a bit more of a Heavyweights fan than I. I haven't seen Heavyweights in, in a long time. Would you recommend Aaron Schwartz from Heavyweights or Aaron Schwartz from the Mighty Ducks? What do you think was his starring role in that period? I mean, Heavyweights is his movie. It is like 100. And you, you look at the cast of that movie, you got, you know, other kids like Keenan Thompson in there, but it is Aaron Schwartz's movie, 100%. Um, I really do think that uh, if people have forgotten Carp in the Mighty Ducks, like he is one of the scene stealers in that movie. And I think I even had kind of forgotten, you know, when you look at him as a kid, you're like, oh yeah, he was in the Mighty Ducks, but that's the kid from Heavyweights. But I mean, both movies spectacular. I just think that Heavyweights especially, it holds up so well, even if you've never seen it. If you There's no nostalgia it's still enjoyable because it kind of feels like Judd Apatow doing a kids movie it's actually interesting with kind of like those I think there's what three characters I think I kept saying Jesse uh, I meant Peter the character of Peter isn't it Jesse's brother 
uh, Peter mm-hmm. and Carp, and then the the Duncans. Aren't they the only ones from the first one from memory who are, are not in the the sequels? But yeah. I think you remember Carp the most, right? Like, I mean, I Peter. Mm-hmm. Like, you remember Peter. Um, but yeah, I think people forget Jesse had a brother. And then yeah. you kind of remember the Duncans just because the figure skater and, um, you know, obviously, as, as Aaron said, they're the guy who played um, Tommy. He kind of went on to be a bit of a star himself. So it's kind of interesting that, you, yeah, you do remember Carp. And it's mm-hmm. I like getting that clarification as to why he wasn't in, in the sequels. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, you could speculate a lot of things, but we actually got confirmation from it. It, it all came down to age. He looked too young. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of filmmakers out there would just say that. Oh, sorry, you know, you look too young. But when you hear like the lengths that they went through to make it up to them for not being in the movie, it, it probably was literally just that. And I guess uh, you'd like to hear that now, though. The older you get, you probably like to be told. I mean, and let's go on. We'll share this, obviously, the screenshot on our social media of our, our chat with Aaron. We're not quite doing the video interviews yet, but we will get there one day. But obviously, the thing, and, and Aaron's looking fantastic still. Like, really, yeah. uh, com- I mean, completely different. Let's, like, uh, it's been, I think, let, heavily publicized about Aaron. Like, I think he was in, like, Men's Health or one of those magazines with the rig out and kind of, you know, he's, he's really buff now. So it definitely does not look like Carp did, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah, and of course, you uh, said when when you said, oh, we're going to be having an interview with Aaron Schwartz, you're like, yeah, I think Jamie would like this guy now. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a big Gossip Girl fan anyway. So yeah. uh, there you go. But no, in all seriousness, big thanks to Aaron for his time and to uh, can we Aaron. Can we can we give him a what a man? What a man, Aaron Schwartz. What a man. What a man. And uh, big thanks to his team for uh, arranging that chat. And of course, that leads us into it. We're going to be releasing Mighty Ducks recaps in the lead up here to Game Changers. And what we're also planning on doing we've we've contacted a few of the other guys so hopefully we might have some other interviews but i mentioned in that chat that i have spoken to sean weiss several years ago on on the brink and we will uh do that as a bonus sort of episode i'll i'll introduce that and talk about that a little bit more but we'll include that in the sort of the lead up to our mighty ducks coverage because i i do remember that mighty ducks chat with sean weiss was a lot of fun and we've also of course spoke to mc gainey basically on our loss coverage of course Mm. mc played the limo driver in the first mighty ducks movie and from memory i i briefly raised that with him in that very fun chat with MC Gainey when he wasn't bad mouthing um, the country bears. So, uh, <laughs> so we've got a few connections to the Mighty Ducks franchise. So we're we're very much looking forward to covering. We will be reviewing the new show and then we'll be covering each of the movies. Which I got to say, Colin, I mean, there were a handful of movies that when we started doing the Oz Network that I would have uh, immediately said I want to cover those. I've been lucky enough to do a few of them, but Mighty Ducks is easily up there. I'm pretty sure the first one made yeah. my top ten at least made my top 20, but uh, I mean, they're, they're iconic movies. And, I, and can I just say, I know we've said it before, say it again. I'm looking forward to uh, going through the sequels as well. Cause D3, the Mighty Ducks, very underrated. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think we mentioned this uh, off air as well that you know, I've talked to so many people, including my nephews that, you know, I mentioned in the interview to Aaron who got into the Mighty Ducks movies. And when they finished them, I asked them, well, which one is your favorite? And they all were like, Oh, I like part three the best. Yeah. So I'm part three really does hold up and it's been so long since I've seen it, but this is one of these things where, you know, we always talk about, Oh yeah, eventually we'll do the mighty ducks movies. We plan our uh, schedule so far in advance and we were like booked solid anyways. And we got Oscar season coming up and all that, but it was pretty much a given when they released the, the release date, you know, you know, what? We'll, we'll record all the episodes in one day. <laughs> we'll, we're we're going to get the mighty ducks movies done. We are, we are very busy bees at the moment. You're right. I completely forgot about Oscar season. Better clear the calendar even more, but <laughs> I think we've all forgotten about because usually the Oscars are over and done with by now, but we haven't even got yeah. the nominations. Um, so uh, plenty to come, but uh, you yeah, know, very, very exciting to get to these. Thanks again to Aaron. Thanks again to everyone for listening. 
My name is the Benster. Use my head to stop the podcast. Mr. Benalande. And my name is No. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.